I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. False narratives prevail in wrestling just like they prevail everywhere, but it's more pronounced in this space because wrestling is inherently snake oil. For many, it extends beyond the simplicity of pulled punches and false blood feuds. Carnies are always going to carny because they have a business to protect their credibility. It's what they've always known. Lies are just a promotional tool, and arbitrarily drawing lines in the sand creates a clear definition of my fans. Podcasters need to lie, wrestling promoters need to lie, and wrestlers, whether you personally like them or not, need to win, and as a result, certain wrestling truths get obscured in the web. I'm Cy for WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 things nobody has told you about wrestling yet. Number 10. Vince McMahon did not make wrestling bigger. Even Triple H parroted this take when interviewed on Logan Paul's podcast. On some level, it's insane. Vince McMahon is no longer around. As part of his drive to win over the wider wrestling fanbase, Triple H could do with cutting the BS. People roll their eyes at WWE's nonsense, and it would behoove Triple H to to not say the weird things that Vince said without realising he was a joke. On another level, it's thoroughly normal. The idea that Triple H is not like Vince McMahon is only true because he isn't wholly incompetent. He studied under Vince, and WWE, irrespective of who is actually in charge, likes to revise history. Triple H said that wrestling was a tiny little thing happening in bars before Vince reimagined it as a global big-time enterprise. It was a lie, and he knew it was a lie. He didn't take that much from Harley Race without realising where Harley Race works, and Harley race did not work in bars. Jim Londos didn't draw 30 people to your local Queen's Head. His biggest ever gate drew more fans than WWE's shoot biggest audience, WrestleMania 32, and in the States, a cursory glance at the most attended shows throughout the 21st century shows that WWE in 2022 would do exceedingly well to outdo any decade prior to Vince's monopoly. All things considered, on average, the opposite of WWE's rhetoric is true. Vince made wrestling on the whole far smaller than it was. Number nine, wrestling matches don't always need a story. The objective for a professional wrestler is to rack up a series of wins, enjoy the rewards at the pay window, and to enter contention for a championship. This is the fundamental narrative framework, one that is vital for any wrestling promotion to function as a credible entity. Now, for this framework to work, it needs to actually be put into place. It's often mere pretext to orchestrate a blood feud, which is where the money is, but the blood feud makes no sense or feels woefully contrived if the heel isn't prevented 
preventing the babyface from achieving such a goal. To make it work, a wrestling promoter should book certain matches that are cold from a storytelling perspective. Around that framework, storylines can be weaved. In the most obvious example, the heel might cheat the face on his quest and infuriate him to such an extent that he loses focus and is now hellbent on revenge. The sport has to happen before the grudge, otherwise the grudge, the story, has no real weight nor purpose. This core purpose has been lost because WWE conditioned a generation of fans not to care about wins, losses and championships. Number 8. Stars must win a lot to be perceived as stars. Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes are the preeminent examples of wrestlers who aren't allowed to win in the minds of certain fans who insist that they only do so to seize control over their spot and look good. Tony Khan is the booker, neither Cody nor Jericho were or are Hulk Hogan in WCW. Khan recognises that his top stars must win and win frequently in order to maintain their aura as stars. He therefore books them to do precisely that. It's the reality of being a wrestling star and a comparative exercise is useful in demonstrating why it must go this way. Consider Jericho's various WWE runs before he reinvented himself in 2016. He did jobs all over the place in the early 2010s to Bray Wyatt, Ryback and Fandango all on pay-per-view and even the various hiatuses didn't help him. He didn't return with huge bars as a much-missed megastar until he radically changed his acts. He just sort of existed at a level well below the WrestleMania part-timer crew because he had lost so frequently that the rub stopped working. It works now because he wins more often than he loses. Number 7. WrestleMania 7 is different to the history written about it. The exploitation of the Gulf War was horrific, the cheapest of cheap heat. It was reprehensible and indefensible promotion on the part of Vince McMahon, truly desperate stuff. He knew the glory days were over and in an ugly hubristic move thought that he could unite a nation when he couldn't even unite his fan base. It was a public relations and commercial disaster. WrestleMania 7, the site of the USA's Grand Friggin victory, had to be downscaled from the Memorial Coliseum to the sports arena because they couldn't shift enough tickets. If you can park all of that, and it's obviously easier to do that now than it was at the time, the 7th edition might well be the best top-to-bottom WrestleMania of what is known as the Golden Era. The plotting with which Sergeant Slaughter went on to face Hogan at Mania and the way in which the Randy Savage vs. Ultimate Warrior retirement match dovetailed around it was exquisite. If ever a WWE event defined Vince McMahon's last-minute on-the-edge ability to turn chicken poo into chicken salad, it was probably WrestleMania 7. Number 6. You should criticise wrestling when it's bad. Just enjoy wrestling. You read sentiments like this all the time and it appears to be innocuous. Maybe you can't be asked with the discourse and who can blame you? You just like to sit back, snack and enjoy what's put in front of you even if it isn't all that great or inspiring. That's fine, but telling people to shut up and just enjoy it, eh, maybe not so much. After all, the attitude can encourage wrestling promoters to put in minimal effort. There's nothing wrong with approaching wrestling analytically. If nobody did that and the just enjoy it prophecy came to pass, we'd still be stuck with the original incarnation of the Dark Order and the Nightmare Collective would still be milling about on Dynamite. Many fans expressed their boredom and frustration with those developments and AEW evolved into an exponentially better wrestling promotion when Tony Khan responded to fan feedback. Everyone was able to enjoy it more after engaging their brains and demanding better. Some may call this toxic positivity, but whatever you call it is a defense mechanism cultivated by those whose identity is so wrapped around the thing they like that they can't accept criticism of it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Number five, Dave Meltzer is not biased. In a recent issue of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, AEW's Brian Danielson worked an exceptionally well-received match on Dynamite against Sammy Guevara, and Dave Meltzer rated it four and a half stars. FTR also put on their working boots against Swerve in Our Glory, and were awarded four stars. A man with whom he is publicly friendly, and many insist feeds him scoops in return for critical acclaim, Chris Jericho, also worked a match on the same card, teaming with Daniel Garcia in a losing effort against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheelie Utah, and Dave awarded it four stars. Now, if Dave is biased, and uses his platform to convince fans that AEW is automatically better than WWE as part of some agenda. Perhaps he is funded by AEW despite his publication existing 37 years before the launch of the promotion. Then why did he rate Bron Breaker versus Ilya Dragunov versus JD McDonough from NXT Halloween Havoc four stars and three quarters, making it his own personally selected match of the week? Because he thought a WWE match promoted by its least fashionable brand, no less, was better. Meltzer isn't biased, he just gets accused of that unfairly by fans who don't like his star ratings, so much so that they will even ignore them. Number 4. Interpromotional feuds rarely work. Every time there's a mere hint of one wrestling company collaborating with another, some are hellbent on manifesting a long-term interpromotional war, and while it's part of the fun of fandom, it rarely actually happens because it rarely works. The ROH vs CZW feud worked perfectly and was plotted so intricately that it was even better than its premise because both promotions boasted a distinct philosophy. ROH was the pure league that upheld the rules as a sacred tenant, CZW was the ultra-violent atrocity 
that wore its outlaw mud show stigma with pride. The New Japan vs UWF International feud worked in contrast because both promotions aspired to the same ideal of legitimacy and were competing to determine who best embodied it. The build to Forbidden Door was as poor as the show itself was great, but Tony Khan and Gado didn't book an interpromotional rivalry because it would have made no sense. How could AEW present a united front when its biggest heel faction hates what the promotion embodies? AEW and New Japan's stable-based framework hardly makes such a narrative credible, and the same was true when Kenny Omega first revealed he was in cahoots with Don Callis. Number 3. Wrestling has never looked realistic The problem with modern wrestling, some say, is that it has abandoned realism in the pursuit of cheap pops. There are various means by which wrestling can look and feel more logical in its exaggerated context, borrowing and working legitimate techniques, working snug on safer surfaces, avoiding positions of vulnerability, selling so authentically that the audience transfixed becomes convinced that the performer is in agony, all are utilised by the best technicians to aspire towards realism. Even then, it can be picked apart by anybody who isn't willing to suspend their disbelief. If you've ever seen a real fight involving real people untrained in a combat discipline, you've barely seen it. It's an animalistic blur of limbs. Moreover, in many legit combat sports fights that end by knockouts, it's difficult to ascertain the landing blow. At first glance, you often only see the loser falling to the canvas. Only on slow-mo action replay can you really see the impact. The most lethal strikes are delivered with such speed that they almost seem innocuous. There's no wild delayed swing because what the wrestling audience sees to build anticipation by design could be anticipated and countered in a flash by a trained real combat athlete. Wrestling, virtually all of it, is inherently unrealistic, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't adhere to its own set of dramatic rules. Number 2. Supernatural Wrestling Doesn't Work in WWE the Undertaker character was at its worst when WWE indulged the nonsensical supernatural element. The real magic resided in what was essentially parlor trick as metaphor. Many of his stunts were pulled to get his menace and intimidation over. The more hokey it all was, the worse it was. The Fiend was a near indestructible entity, an alter ego of the man Bray Wyatt. Unless you were Goldberg, it was almost impossible to weaken him. This person, or thing, was even set on fire and lay there ostensibly dead only to return from beyond the grave. This sort of storytelling is perfectly acceptable in its own context. There's an entire wildly popular pop culture genre devoted to it. The issue with a character like The Fiend is that other characters have to exist uneasily in the same context. That, and the thought of him learning an Irish whip in wrestling school, and even going to wrestling school, is the key problem. A character like The Fiend completely destroys our perception of the natural world, but virtually everybody else on the roster has to ignore it and pretend that they aren't in a horror film, that they haven't just witnessed magic unfold in front of their eyes. Imagine no selling an alien invasion of Earth. It wouldn't happen. Supernatural wrestling is preposterous in and of itself and becomes even stupider when you consider its total lack of effect on every other character. Number 1. These people are not your friends. Pro wrestling functions as an escape from a world that grows increasingly exhausting and harrowing by the day. The performers intrigue and thrill you, and in return you are grateful for, or perhaps even inspired by them. You want to see your favourites succeed, and you might even reward them with your financial support. You might try to meet them at the merch table. You might get a retweet out of them in exchange for some praise, or in some cases, a tattoo. You might, under the impression that they are as sweet or as cool as they appear on television, become convinced that the human being underneath the performer's skin is a stand-up person, and defend them with biased zeal whenever they encounter a dispute with another wrestler. They have to be in the right, even if the situation is more complex and nuanced than you might be prepared to acknowledge because, and this is a relatively minor portion of the wrestling consumer base, by this point you have developed a parasocial relationship with what is ultimately a fictional character. 
either. The other side of the extreme is too ironic and detached to take seriously as well. They aren't all nonces and carnies and workers, but they're not your friends. Buy a t-shirt, chant their name, but don't think they're perfect. They aren't and it's weird. And that's the list. Let us know what you thought of this video down in the comments below and as always the opinions expressed in this video are the opinions of the writer. What other things in the wider wrestling framework could we have included in this list? Let us know down in the comments below as well and of course make sure you like this video, share it with your friends, subscribe and hit that notification bell. I've been Cypher What Culture and have a good week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.